You're listening to the Story Shout Podcast, hosted by Kelsey Jones. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to destigmatizing failure and laughing at our normalcy. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Story Shout. My name is Kelsey Jones, and I am your host. I'm joined today by Natalie Sisson. She is someone that I met. Um, I'm in this really special entrepreneur group, uh, business owner group for moms. And so that's how we met. And I, and Natalie, I didn't tell you this when we recorded your podcast the other day, but I've actually read um, your first book, The Suitcase Entrepreneur. So loved that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Natalie is an entrepreneur, a speaker and author. Um, and Natalie, I'm so glad to have you on today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. So Natalie, um, what do you suck at that we're going to talk about today? Well, it's actually something that I thought I was pretty good at, which is around um, creating boundaries. And I even talk about it in my new book, Suck It Up, Princess. Um, And I thought it is something that I typically am good at. It's being able to say no, setting really clear boundaries. But I realized in the course of getting my business ready to go on maternity leave that it hasn't been something that I've done a very good job of with my clients and customers. Um, So I've been since I've been running my business for like 11 years. And I think when I started, it was just me as for most people. And so I've always been that key point of contact for everybody. So I'd be the course creator and I'd be the coach, but I'd also be the person who was answering tech support or admin or anything. Um, And despite having a team now and having had a team for quite a while, I realized I was still doing it. So I actually sucked at just not appreciating that I was still being too responsive to my clients and customers who I love and answering all the questions. So they would email me about coaching advice and then I'd get another email going, hey, I've lost my login or I'm having problems with (laughs) Podiers. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm still answering these questions even as the CEO of my business, even though I have a team to do this. So I clearly just sucked at delegating that. And I think it was actually more than delegating, it was letting go and and knowing that if I wasn't going to be there and super responsive, that didn't matter. They were still going to get their question answered. I just needed to not be that person who was doing it. Um, and it really surprised me because I thought I was good at it. I just recorded a podcast about it the other day because I thought it was a really good one to be transparent about that even when you think you're doing something well, it was something that was actually in so many ways just, um, you know, time and energy that was going out the door that I really should have spotted a lot longer. So I'm really curious about that, that letting go piece and and what I was getting out of it actually to keep it for so long. Yeah. I think as entrepreneurs, you know, if you build something from the ground up, it's really hard to finally let go and, um, and let somebody else handle it. Um, even when, you know, I ran my business full time um, for seven or eight years, you know, I would have people on my team help me. But for a while, I I caught myself saying, I still want to be on the emails. Or, <laughs> you know, I'd look in the comment view to see what people had commented. Um, even when I was delegating, it was really hard for me to fully let go and not be able to see everything in the business. Um, I think it's just hard when it, it's something you started to fully let other people handle it. Yeah, it is. But I, it's like, what am I getting out of it? What were we getting out of that? Was it that sense of I helped somebody today? Probably. Um, or I'm the best at this. I can respond. I know exactly what to say. 
uh, maybe a little bit of that. I'm so, you know, I know my business in and out, but it, yeah, just crazy and ludicrous to think about it. And I have been handing it over and, and now it's fully handed over, right? It needs to be because I'm not going to be around for three or four months. But there was, it was definitely surprising to me how much of that was just ingrained from those early days of hustle and, and be, be everything and trying to work on all the hats in the business to kind of keep that there and to not trust or let the team do it. Um, and I, I think it doesn't even just apply in business, right? I was doing it around the home. My partner was like, Nat, you're the one who is always um, talking to our contractors. Like, well, not that we have that many, but, you know, you get things done around the house or you have a cleaner or you get something in to get fixed. And I was always the person contacting them, being the point contact, getting the invoices, getting all the questions. And I don't mind it because I'm good at it. But most of the time they were messaging me on like Facebook Messenger or something. And then I couldn't delegate that to my partner, Josh. And I, I, I very rarely would be like, oh, I'm doing all of this, but it was definitely a burden because I was carrying all the comms and all the things in my head. And I was like, huh, I do it at home as well. So it's just been a really good thing to realize you, I, I wouldn't say I suck at it, but I'm getting better, <laughs> getting better at it. Yeah. And that kind of brings in the idea of the mental load, mm-hmm. which for anyone not listening is this idea that um, traditionally women, especially at home and in the workforce, um, are expected to take on many tasks almost in their head that um, other people that are in the home, like children or partners, husbands, wives, um, or in the workplace, like coworkers might not even realize they're doing. And it's, it's little things that add up. Mm-hmm. So for instance, my son, um, because of COVID, um, when we're recording this, you know, in the US, a lot of the regulations have lifted. But one thing that is still stuck at my um, son's daycare is every day he has to bring a clean water bottle. So every night, I have to remember to take out the old water bottle and put in the new water bottle. Not a big, not a big deal. But that's just a little example of something that I just took on. My husband and I didn't talk about it at all. I just started doing it. And there'll be some nights I'm already in bed. You know, it's 830 at night, but I'm so tired. And I'm like, crap, I didn't do the stupid water bottle. And I I think about that. I take a step back and I think about what are all the little things that are like that, Mm -hmm. um, both professionally and personally that I have taken on. Nobody's asked me to, but I still do it. And it's cluttering up my brain. Um, that, you know, maybe that energy could be better spent improving myself or, um, you know, doing better at work or not dropping the ball in other areas that are really important to me, like other projects. Um, so the idea of mental load is definitely something that even though it's tasks that you can do, you don't mind doing it, it does still have an effect. Mm-hmm. And there's been a really interesting economic report that came out lately. I can't cite the source, but they finally realized that if fewer women had so much load on them at home, it would be better for the economy all round, like if things were shared and halved between their partners, um, because it would allow them to be more effective at work or more effective with their family or more effective as as a person themselves. And it has this ripple effect across everything. So they finally actually done a report saying that if the load was shared, um, it would actually be better for everybody and especially the economy. Yeah, interesting. So there's now economic proof on it. And you you said one thing there is that you said nobody asked you to do it or nobody asked you to take it on. And I think that's a big thing, right? Like we often as women are just really good at being able to see all the things that need doing. And so we're like, I'll do it to the rescue. Um, And in some cases, I feel for people who don't have a supportive partner who is more than willing to do that. But a lot of the time, 
we just do it and then we get resentful for it <laughs> and we never even asked or said hey why don't you do that and I'll do this and um, my partner's great like you know he just booked the dogs in for the vet for the vaccinations and all this stuff and he's happy to step up and do it um but he needs to know that you know it's there and I haven't just taken it and run with it yeah and I think it's the point that um it's not that I have to ask them to do it it's that they didn't see it themselves and take the initiative so my husband and I have had a lot of conversations over the years. Like it's, we have a toddler son. So before he was born, we started talking about this idea of better equality. And I said, the point is, it's not that I have to hound you to take out the trash. It's that you see that the trash is full and you should just take it out. Um, and, and I think that can kind of apply to business too. Like if you're mm-hmm. working on a team, um, I, whenever I'm hiring people for a team, I say, I, I tell them specifically, I'm looking for someone that if you see something wrong and it's not specifically in your job description, I want you to figure out why it's wrong. And that doesn't mean I need you to take on the work, but I want you to be able to say, Hey, this isn't right. Um, I'm either going to flag it to someone else whose job it is, or I'm going to do it, you know, at, at home, that be, might be more the case. Um, but being a part of a team, either at home or at work, where the responsibilities are more short, shared, instead of you just assuming, um, goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I think in a perfect world, we'd all love for the guy <laughs> to spot something <laughs> and go, oh, I need to do that. But um, it, <laughs> for some reason, just doesn't happen. So I think it's just about, as you said, creating that equality and some really good rules and boundaries around who's doing what and how that load gets shared. So uh, specifically at work, you know, how did you start being better at delegating and not trying to do it all? I mean, did you just one day say, I have to hire a team? Or did you come up with a list of things that you could delegate and kind of go from there? That's a great question. It actually was kind of forced upon me. Um, Back in 2012, I decided to take a a bike ride trip down Africa, (laughs) as you do, cycling six and a half thousand kilometers, about 4,000 miles. And I realized with with like about two weeks to go that, I mean, I didn't just realize two weeks before, but I finally hired my first virtual assistant. Um, And she was great. And I said, look, I just need this business to tick over while I'm here. I told my coaching clients at the time, you won't see me for two months. Um, but the main thing was around customer support and social media is still going out. <laughs> and uh, so I trained her up in the space of like a week, let her dive in for a week. And then I was literally offline for two months, couldn't ever really log in or do anything. Um, and just was like, oh, well, I guess I just have to trust that she's doing a good job. And I think that was the biggest thing for me was letting go and trusting. And the biggest thing has been over the years, Hire people who are either better than you or hire just people who are talented, pay them what they're worth, and you will be able to easily start handing stuff over. So once I hired more team members and I realized they were super capable, it was actually easy to delegate. I'd be like, oh, can you take this and this, you know, not overloading them, but now that I can see you can do these things, right? Well, how about this? And it's just such a pleasure and joy when you do find the right people, trial and error, um, to be able to let go because you just, there's a trust there and a confidence Um, that can take time and then it becomes almost effortless because you're just excited that you can take all the stuff off your plate and focus on your zone of genius so I do think it was for me about hiring the right people and paying them well and not hiring somebody that I liked but hiring somebody who I liked and had the skills in the past I think I tried to hire from my community or people I wanted to give them a chance and then I ended up having to do a ton of training because they weren't actually skilled in that 
so it, it was, you know, mistakes we make along the way, <laughs> things I sucked at initially, was not hiring for the right skill, talent. And um, and then once you do, it's amazing because you have this world-class kind of team who are super capable. So I can go into this maternity leave trusting that they've got my back. And they'll tell me that. They're like, Nat, we've got this, <laughs> which is such a lovely thing to hear. Yeah, for sure. What are things now that you're still struggling with delegating? Because I know, um, you know, that's the main reason why we're here today is, you know, it still seems like it it is a struggle for you in certain areas. So are there other things in your business or personal life that you still find yourself having trouble with letting go? Yeah, a good example was this even yesterday, Lauren, my digital business manager. Um, I'd said that I want to change up the homepage before I go on leave to be more specific and the copy to be better and to change the the focus. And she did this great short loom, really awesome tool to screen share. And she's like, so from what I heard from our conversation, you want to change this copy um, and you want these images changed out and to be like this. And I just, I don't know, I was expecting that I was going to do it because, I, you know, I wanted to change. And then I was like, oh, yeah, of course I could hand this over to my team. And that was just another thing yet again of just been doing it for so long. It's so unbuilt. So I think it's about actually getting a better, I'm usually pretty good at standing back and getting a big picture perspective, but I think this has just opened my eyes to all the things that I could eventually um, offload (laughs) and, um, and have them done really well. So I think that's just, it's a, it's a learning lesson. And the more I do it, the easier it will become. Yeah. I love that. It makes me think about Um, so, you know, I, I, I still try to control things, even though, you know, things are delegated to other people on my team. And I, as you were talking, I remembered this, uh, one-on-one, you know, midpoint of the year review I had with someone on my team. And I asked her, what are some things that you would like to do more of, um, that you're not doing? And so she had mentioned, um, coming up with the content ideas of what we're going to put on our site. And um, that kind of surprised me because she had never talked about that in the past. And I had no plans to delegate some of that to her. And so it kind of made you make me take a step back and, and getting her feedback, you know, and so maybe people listening, if, if, you know, getting feedback from other people, it might be some, you might find out, you know, there's other things you could delegate that people actually want to take on that you are trying to control. So I think because, you know, that's been one of my biggest roles at the job I'm at now, it was surprising for me to hear that she'd like to do more of that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And she probably hadn't because she saw how much you loved, you know, to control that because that is your jam, right? That's your expertise. But to have somebody go, I'd kind of like to do what you're doing. It's like, hmm, oh my gosh, hadn't even thought about that. Um, but when you do it, it opens your eyes, right, to all these things you could be allowing others to do so that you can stay even more in your zone of genius gets quite exciting. And it's not even, and when she said that, you know, it was like, great. And that's, and I think when, I think that's how it should be, you know, when other people say they'll help you. And again, this could translate to both personal and professional, that should be welcomed. Um, I do think as mothers, though, um, you tend to want to not ask for help. You want to say, I can do it all. I don't need help. And and even business owners might think that as well. Um, you know, I, I don't need help. I'm a strong person. I'm capable. But it's not even about that. I mean, sometimes it takes being strong to be able to ask for help. You know, sometimes asking for help is the hardest thing you can do um, and giving up those reins. The funny thing on that is, I mean, I'm not a mom yet, but I'm pretty close. And 
that's the one area where I know I'm just going to ask for a lot of help. I have no problem in it. I'm like fully expecting, you know, Josh wants to go 50-50 and as much as he can, friends and family have already offered to come around. And I'm like, yeah, bring it. It's funny because, yeah, in business, maybe I didn't accept it for a while, but going into this, I'm fully ready (laughs) to be prepared for as much help and support as possible. Isn't that interesting? I think just because I know I'll need it and it's not for me about being strong and I can do it all. It's about it takes a village to raise a child. So let's make it happen. Yeah, it's really, that's a really good point that you bring up that, you know, people might be more willing to accept help or delegate in some areas that they wouldn't in others. Um, and, and that probably goes into like some deep psychological reason or cultural or just what your goals are. Um, but just, there's just some places where it's so easy to ask for help. And then some places where it's just a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. I think I got over asking for help some time ago. Like I I was very much like that on the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And then when I got to a breaking point, I was like, I actually just need to ask for it. And I saw how many people were willing to step up and help. I think it just became easier from then on to the point that I get really good at it now. And I'm always willing to help others. So it took it kind of like let go of your pride that this doesn't have to be just you struggling to figure this out. And then once you realize people are there to help you, it just becomes so much easier. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, thinking about it from you help other people. So why would they not help you? Or why why wouldn't you get help from other people is, is a really good point. Um, yeah. Just thinking about, you know, most of the people in my life that I'm close to would love to help me. And so if you think of it that way, it makes it a lot easier to be able to rely on others. Yeah. I think it's that power of reciprocity, right? Not that I'm going to do something for you so that you'll do it back for me, but just it it creates this really beautiful circle of just wanting to give and help. Um, And, you know, there's certain friends who will do that really, really well. And there's other people that you'll just know will never be like that. So you choose your friends wisely and your support network. Yeah. And there's different areas where you would ask, you know, maybe a friend for, help with with something with maybe relationships that you would never ask another friend for. I think it also comes down to knowing who to ask um, and when. Yeah. Because people might not be willing to do that or able to do that. Yeah, I, if I may, I see it with my partner a lot. Like he will literally not ask people for a favor. And I'm, I'm the queen of asking for favors, but mainly because I'd happily turn around and do it for others. And I see how much it gets him stuck. He's just stubborn. Like, you know, right now we're coming into winter. I'm looking out the window and we need more firewood for this new awesome furnace that we put in that heats the whole house. It's incredible. Radiant heating. And um, I'm like, well, maybe we just need to um, ask our friends who live here if we can borrow some from their supply and return it in a month's time when our wood is dry. He's like, no, I'm not asking anybody for any of their wood. I was like, well, we need a warm house and there's only so much you can do. I can't help you right now with chopping wood and all this stuff. Um, yeah. And he's just, he's stubborn about it. And I'm like, all right, well, then you you have to deal with the, you know, consequences of what what's your plan. And he's come up with one, but it was just so funny. I would have just immediately gone and made a, a great deal, right? Like, can we get a month's worth of firewood supply from you? And we'll return you with two months supply um, in a month, you know, just something really easy. Yeah, that that's funny because I think in that situation, I would be your husband and my husband would be you. (laughs) You don't like asking for favors. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like asking for favors um, because I think I get so stubborn and I feel like I can figure it out. Um, I feel like if I don't know what's going on, I should be able to figure it out and I shouldn't 
rely on other people. It's And especially that's the case in areas where I want to learn more about something or I want it to be something that I'm good at. It's hard for me to admit that I'm not good at something. Yeah, but I don't see it as not being good at something. I just see it as that person's got what I need or they're skilled in this and it would just be so much easier to ask them. And most of the time, they're super happy to. And I always do it in a way where they can totally say no very easily. But I think it's all in the way you ask, right, and how you phrase it. Yeah, it's interesting. (laughs) I agree. Do you think it relates to um, like being an introvert at all? Because I'm usually pretty introverted. I don't know if your partner is, but um, for me, I think it, it it's a little bit more difficult for introverts to ask for help or or say they're struggling or you know whatever. Yeah, I think a hundred percent it is, but I also think it's a it can be a learned skill that you can get more comfortable at. Much like you know the power of saying no, it, it doesn't come naturally to most people but it can be something you literally practice in the mirror, no or no thank you. And so I think for me, it wasn't something I was comfortable with initially, but once I started doing it and just saw how easy it made my life and how happy they were to do it um, and vice versa, when somebody asked me a really great favor, I was like, yeah, for sure. Then I just got over myself of thinking it wasn't because I was weak or I couldn't do something. And it became quite fun, actually. Like, how do you phrase this in a way that is a win-win? Um, or, you know, and, and often then you get to hang out with that person or do something really cool. And it it builds up a really good will bank because now you get to do something for them in the future. And, yeah, we've we've got quite a few friends who will come over and borrow stuff from us or share things. And then it always comes back to you in some way with reciprocity. So I think it can be a learned skill. But definitely maybe a little harder for introverted people or people who just aren't comfortable making the ask. Yeah, I love that. It also made me think of um, something else that I wanted to circle back to um, when we had first started our conversation is the power of just actually not doing something. So things that we think are really important, but they actually don't need to be done. So um, I was I started thinking about it because you're talking about stuff around the house, like maybe there's product projects that just don't matter. And then that made me think about when we had first been talking about, you know, answering customer support requests. A couple summers ago, um, I had always been someone that had prided myself on answering emails very quickly, um, you know, within 24 hours, if not less than that. And I had a summer where I just thought, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to answer emails when it's relevant to me. Of course, I'll answer if it's time sensitive and not to be rude or anything like not make someone wait for something. Um, But I was shocked that my clients weren't upset. Nobody cared. Nobody emailed me saying, um, where have you been? You always email so quickly. And it made me start thinking about what other like rules have I put on myself that actually nobody cares about, or they're not really um, a big deal that I thought, you know, was a standard that I had to uphold. I love that. I had a similar experience with that bike ride trip in Africa where I was pretty much off social for two months. And when I got back, I was like, oh, no, is, is it, has everybody, you know, gone? And people were like, oh, you've been away? And I was like, really? Because it was my life. And I was like, nobody missed me. I mean, they probably, some people did, but nobody was like, where have you been? Oh, my God, it was terrible without you. And then I just realized how unimportant we, <laughs> we really are in the scheme of things. Um, But yeah, it was a really big eye-opener to me. I mean, they were happy I was back, but they didn't, you know, people have their own lives and their own stuff going on. 
It's just not that important, as you say. In our heads, we make it important. Yeah, and there's even things at work that I'll catch myself that we've been doing for months or years. And I, I say, actually, is anybody actually clicking on these links? Is anybody actually reading this, you know, weekly update that's going out? And so I'll ask around. And some of the time it turns out nobody opens it. Nobody, you know, we have the bit.ly link tracking on and nobody's actually sharing the links or clicking on them. And so to me, that's a pretty good sign that we can just let that stuff go. Mm. Yeah, I've often said that to my team recently. Is this getting a return on investment? Are people reading this, engaging with it? If not, after three months, you know, like do the analysis and then why are we posting this or why is this going out? Let's focus on the stuff that is getting a response. Yeah, so I think if you're feeling really overwhelmed, there's probably a lot of things that you're upholding or doing every week or even every day that really don't matter. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So Natalie, to kind of wrap things up today, you know, what's, what's something you would tell someone who has struggled with, you know, delegation and, and, you know, tasking things out to other people and letting things go that uh, maybe some words of advice or even just observations, um, you know, for somebody who's struggling with that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And maybe it's looking at your own life and thinking, if I wasn't doing all this stuff what would I be doing like you said before would I be reading a book on a couch would I be going for a walk in nature would I be feeling less stress and overwhelmed um and so actually looking at the sort of benefit or offset cost of what it's weighing on you versus you just making that first small delegation and seeing how it feels because it can get pretty addictive once you realize all the stuff you've been holding on to in your head and juggling um, to just start giving some of it away and feeling how freeing that is, then you'll be like off and running. And I think people might surprise themselves with things that they thought they enjoyed doing and now are all too happy to hand off or share the load with. I love that. And and to think about things that you thought were a big deal, maybe actually not are not a big deal and don't actually need to be done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about your new book that's coming out or, you know, follow you on social media? Yeah, I'd love for people to come say hi at Natalie Sisson on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Always love being in the DMs there. And nataliesisson.com forward slash princess is where Suck It Up Princess, the book is. If you want to check it out, it's pretty fun. Uh, A lot of personal stories and anecdotes in there that I think people will appreciate and a lot of what we sort of discussed today, which I really appreciated in this conversation. Awesome. Great. Well, everyone listening, thank you for joining us and don't forget to follow us as well um, at story shout on all our social media and storyshout.co. until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the story shout podcast. Don't forget to review us on iTunes and connect with us on social media at Story Shout or online at StoryShout.co. Until next time, stay normal.